Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. On today's show, well, let, let, me, let me stop before I introduce who Ray actually is and me, me take you down a short little story. Ray was originally supposed to be my season one, episode two. We were sitting at a cafe, we recorded the episode, and honestly, the audio quality became crap. And then no matter what I did behind the scenes to clean it up, it just couldn't work. But you know, in the past year, we've kind of developed our, 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 our equipment. And to, to raise point that he just made earlier, he's like, I got better equipment now. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. So <laughs> I originally met Ray at, at, at a networking group and he came into the networking group and in these network groups, there's always a lawyer. There's always an insurance person. And Ray came in and he was like the capital guy. So everybody was like, wait, who are you? What, what, do, what do you do? So in this show, I'm going to deem him the capital boss. Ray Johnson, without further ado, man, who are you? Hey, how's everybody? Uh, I'm Ray Johnson, uh, founder of Barrington Commercial Capital. Uh, what we do is primarily lend money. We lend money to business owners and to investors, real estate investors. Uh, we've been in business now for seven years, uh, doing extremely well during the COVID last year, had our best year. Looking forward to 2021, it's off to a great start, uh, and uh, business is uh, booming over in our house. So so this is to take this story back. So, I mean, obviously, you deliver capital, and we're going to dive into the definition of what that really means and how could someone qualify and all that. But before that, like, how do you, as a child, just wake up one day and say, okay, I, I want to be a secondary lender. I want to be, the hell with the banks. I want to give money versus taking money from a bank. Like how old were you when you realized that? And what did that journey look like for you? Well, the, the one, I didn't wake up and think that way. I think uh, my career sort of moved me in that direction. I've been, my background is finance and accounting. And uh, throughout my career, obviously I've done a lot of finance and accounting type roles with organizations in corporate America. Uh, and I spent a, a, a ton of time in corporate America, but grew increasingly frustrated with it. One of my roles was as a consultant, and I helped people borrow a lot of money through that role. Uh, and uh, when I left that, that organization, I continued to do this, uh, helping people borrow money on the side. So I, and I, because I really enjoyed it, I re really enjoyed the process, uh, putting together the plans, putting together the forecasts, uh, showing them how to approach lenders to receive monies from them, depending on what their needs were. Uh, as I became frustrated with corporate America, I decided to go into business for myself and leaned on the things that I knew extremely well and really enjoyed. I felt like the time was right to actually pursue something that I wanted to do uh, rather than where your career sort of takes you, even though it was in my field, uh, and, and pursued opportunities to basically to, to become a lender and, and move on the side of being 
the actual person who provided financing opportunities for business owners. And when I went into it, I really thought the only thing I'd be doing was business loans. Uh, lo and behold, uh, I believe 30 days after I opened my doors, I did my first real estate loan. And real estate has continued to be the biggest thing that I do. Uh, uh, we do a lot of real estate, all types, hard money, bridge money, permanent financing, cash out refis, the whole thing. But we also do a lot of business loans. Uh, I, ju I just felt like because I had been in business, I would, I would attract more business owners and operators and be able to do a lot more of those types of loans. And it's worked out where I've had a, a really unique balance, real estate, real estate investors, business owners uh, that actually we help with their financing needs in all types. So, I mean, that's definitely an interesting philosophy. So just going back, and it's funny because I usually talk about this on topic, off topic, you know, versus education versus real life principles or getting a coach. So do you think that your college education was essentially fruitful to where you are currently right now? Or did you learn more as you got into the, the actual workspace that you're in? It's a combination of both because everything I do currently is a direct result of what my training was in college and also throughout my career. I studied accounting and finance in undergrad uh, and also got my degree in finance and uh, from my, my MBA is in finance. So I, I was prepared academically. Of course, my experiences in my professional career cemented those types of uh, things that I had learned and allowed me to actually use that every day. Every day I'm looking at financial statements. Every day I'm determining where the opportunity is for finance. Financing a business, financing a uh, commercial property, financing a fix and flip. Uh, but I'm looking at financial information and my, my training and career certainly has helped me in the, what I do now. It's just I use it in a different way than what it was I was doing as I was working for a company, if you will. So I remember going back to the first day when, when you, you stepped into PowerCore and everybody was like biting at the chops to get in front of you because in that space, right, we've dealt with banks and a lot of people get rejected from banks because they don't understand what the banks are really looking for. So you came into the room and you told us exactly why banks are rejecting, why, what banks are looking for and what you're looking for. So this is going to say this, this is Friday morning. It's seven o'clock. What's your, your one minute spiel that you can kind of give us some insight to what your business really helps people do? Well, we evaluate you differently than the banks do. Uh, banks are very, what we call holistic in, in their approach to evaluating a credit, which means that doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a business or you have a commercial property, they look at you, your income, your debt to income ratios, and then also default to what the business is doing. Uh, those two have to line up for them in order to even determine that they can take the next step to, to consider your loan. In uh, many of the products that we have, we, we are going to take a look at you from a credit, credit uh, score perspective. But beyond that, we don't really care about what your income is because none of our products are personal consumer products. They're all commercial products. So therefore, we can look at what the 
commercial building is doing in terms of income and expenses and determine, can it support a loan and then make that loan on that building based off of the financials of that project versus you personally. We don't have to look at what your income is. We don't have to look at what your debt to income ratios are. Uh, None of that matters in the evaluation. And because of that, we can do more loans than sometimes banks do because our lenders have more flexibility in how they can evaluate the project. Uh, And that happens on almost all the things that we do, including uh, equipment, AR, just just a number of the products that we have. A lot more is is dependent upon how the business is doing versus how the individual is performing. So, I mean, you just touched on, on AR and you also touched on real estate. So I'm, I'm going to pick these two apart. Let's, let's dive into AR and kind of define what AR is and what is it usually used for. Sure. Accounts receivable is what AR actually means. And, and when accounts receivable, you create accounts receivable in your business. When you invoice your customer and that customer now is uh, given terms to pay you back. So what we have is, doesn't matter what type of business it is. It could be a construction company, uh, a marketing firm, uh, a distributor, a manufacturer. You invoice your customer because you performed a service. So you've actually done something for that customer, uh, either delivered a product or delivered a service, and now you've given him your invoice to say, now you owe me. Once you do that, you create an asset for your business. That asset is an asset that is actually a lendable asset to most lenders. Uh, Some banks won't do it, but there are tons of other lenders around the country that will consider that that invoice for advance of a loan. Uh, Basically, now they're evaluating who that customer is. So if your customers are Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 type of uh, entities or even not that large, but have great credit ratings and that can be verified, you basically have created for yourself an opportunity for a lending uh, opportunity is what you've done by invoicing your customer. Now, the way the process works is the lender... Uh, evaluates that invoice, then advances you money against that invoice. That could be anywhere from 80 to 95% of what that invoice total is. If your invoice is $100,000 and the advance rate is 95, 95%, you basically, once they approve that invoice, you can get $95,000 on that uh, $100,000 invoice. So, and if we step back, under normal circumstances, you invoice your customer. Now you're waiting for whatever the terms are, 30 days or 45 days or what have you, that they have to pay you. Uh, you can turn, and sometimes your customers take longer than that. Well, your your lender can advance you that money within 24 hours after you issue that, that uh, invoice. So now instead of waiting that 30 or 45 days, you now have that money in your company within 24 hours after you issue that invoice. And that helps companies with cash flow, meeting their normal obligations of payroll, rent, utilities, uh, supplies, and so on. It really helps them operate in a way where they're not necessarily sitting on uh, uh, on the invoices, waiting on their customer. And there are tons of organizations that use that process daily. Staffing companies, uh, I don't know if I mentioned those, but they're big in that space. 
manufacturers are big in that space, and service organizations uh, that that do. And we do a lot with uh, government contractors. Uh, so those are the types of organizations that really take advantage of that. And, and construction people also. There are some lenders that specialize in nothing but construction uh, AR. So. So, I mean, so in a nutshell, just to, to summarize that and, and kind of like, you know, obviously I know you're talking bank, ter- bank terminology and I completely understand that, but I want to kind of just simplify it a little bit. So what you're saying is that if I have an invoice and my invoice is net 90, meaning that I have a $10,000 invoice that I've submitted for services or rendering or whatever it may be, the person that I delivered that invoice to has 90 days to pay it in full. Right. I may need that cash now to pay my team. I may need that cash now to get the supplies to complete other jobs. So I'm going to essentially liquidate that invoice, cash it out within 24 to 48 hours to make sure my company can continue to run. And then eventually I'm going to get that payment within the 90 days to kind of wash out that loan. Absolutely. That's a perfect explanation. (laughs) Perfect. Because that's what it does. You're you're not creating a separate bill for yourself. You're just actually getting an advance on that invoice that allows you to continue to operate. Uh, it, it definitely solves cash flow issues that companies have because many companies can't uh, operate on that float that you have for your customers to actually pay you. Uh, they, they enjoy that. You might need your money faster than to your point uh, to, to make payroll, to buy supplies, to supply for your other customers that you're trying to service. And so on and so on. Create a marketing program. Uh, just, just just a number of uses for those funds in your business. But you're able to get them a lot faster by utilizing a financing program tied to your accounts receivable. Uh, and many companies, even though they've been in business for a long time, still might not know about it or understand that it's something that they can actually uh, access uh, and use for themselves. So... I, I, obviously, my viewers, the next question is probably going to be, okay, so I have $10,000, right? I know I'm going to get paid in full in, in 90 days. I'm going to liquidate in 24. Well, obviously, that's not free. So what kind of percentages are you looking at and, and understanding those margins to make it worth it? Like, what numbers are we talking about as far as making that payment to cash that out within 90 days or well, less than 90 days? Well, that, that, a lot of that depends on what type of, what type of industry you're in. Uh, obviously, one of the things the lender is going to look at is, uh, what your margins look like. Uh, and, and nobody can determine those but you. Uh, but the tighter they are, the less likely you can afford uh, a, a financing in the way that we're describing. The rates could be single digits, uh, you know, less than 10%, uh, up to uh, what? Uh, double digits. So, and, and the rates are monthly because the, you actually use the money for only the period of time that you have it outstanding is really what it is. You're not, you're not for instance, even if a lender said, okay, you got a 12% line of credit with, on your AR, it's really a monthly number that you're going to be paying, you know, maybe 1% a month that you're actually responsible for. And that can be sometimes up to 3%. Uh, but but keep in mind, that in some cases you have two forms that you can do in this types of financing. One of which is where you actually are selling your invoice to your lender. That's one. 
The second is where you actually have a lending arrangement line of credit that's directly tied to your um, uh, accounts receivable and balances. The line of credit is actually a cheaper form, uh, but because sometimes where you are in your growth cycle as a company, you might not qualify for the line of credit. So they have what they call the uh, line of credit where you're actually selling, and it's called factoring. Well, factoring allows the lender to buy it, uh, but the process of how they both work is the same. The factoring is a little bit more expensive than the uh, line of credit, but they, they work identical to each other. You're, you're getting an advance against your invoice on either form, and the, the lender is taking the risk that your customer is going to pay. And based on that, they're going to charge you uh, an interest rate that allows them to reap some benefits for actually lending you that money. Yeah, so it's definitely a win-win. So taking that and then going back maybe 10, 15 minutes, the other part that you were talking about was essentially, get, and I'm going to kind of reiterate this, right? right? So let's say if I'm buying property, and I think you and I had this conversation about, let's say, buying um, mobile park homes. So if, if I want to come into the mobile park home business and I'm going through a bank, bank is going to look at me personally and look at my credit score and look at how much cash that I have down. So to, what, to your point, what you said, the way you guys do your capital investments and your lending is that you're going to look at the, the mobile park home and look at how many lots we have, what's uh -huh. the rent due on each lot, what's the magnitude of those lots per month times year, and that's going to be the number to say, okay, if I lend this guy 100000 how quick can he repay me the 100000 based upon how many lots are being full? Is that correct? Uh, I mean, close. You're right. They will look at typically the income that's coming off of that mobile home park, and that's determined by the number of lots that you have, that you have trailers parked on. Uh, that income becomes your monthly income, and that is netted against whatever the monthly expenses are associated with that uh, mobile home park, uh, you know, and they take into consideration things like repair and maintenance, insurance, taxes, those monthly expenses are reduced from that income and that net income, it's called net operating income, actually determines what, you're, what, you, what kind of financing you can support out of that project. In commercial lending, that net income, net operating income also determines value. You know, on, on, many, on many projects, and I just did this with, with a mobile home park, he came to me, because the bank wouldn't refinance his his uh, his, his mobile home park, uh, and what we did was it, it was it was frontage that was vacant that was commercial property, and then he had the mobile home park behind it. But it was on one lot. He kept talking about selling the front lot, right? But it was subdivided. So what we did, and the bank wasn't going to do that, uh, even if they had refinanced. What we did was told him to get a survey that separates the front, right? So now you have a separate lot. And also the economics of the mobile home park determined the value of just the mobile home park, which was more than enough to make the loan work for him. When we finished, he had his mobile home park refinanced and he had a free and clear lot on the front that he could sell any time he wanted. Didn't owe a dime on it. So he actually came out better by coming to us to help him 
with his uh, refinance, and he he's overjoyed with what the uh, what the uh, you know final outcome was because, as I said, he was able to get his refinance taken care of, but he also got his property separated out so that it, you know if to, the day after the closing, if he wanted to sell that lot, he could sell it, and there would be no repercussions to his lender. Uh, it, the way he was doing it with the bank. If he wanted to sell that lot, he had to go to the bank and get their approval to release collateral. And we alleviated all of that. So he didn't have to talk to the bank at all now about what he wants to do. But that's that's how it's done. Yes, that income determines what you can afford in financing. And that's that's how the evaluation happens. That income will either support the loan for the purchase price or not. And uh, sometimes... Uh, depending on what what those numbers are, you might have to come in and actually make some uh, 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 a, a stronger down payment to make the numbers work. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, just what you just said, and again, if if you didn't listen to what he said, I would say stop, rewind, and listen to what he said again. I mean, he's saying that there was a plot of land, right? And on that land, there's a, a mobile park, and there's an, an, an let's say an easement, but there's a an adjacent part of that land that could be used and sold for something else. So by going through Ray Company, they were able to separate the land, put everything underneath the one lump sum of money, but now this other piece of land is completely free. So now you can sell this land and pretty much pay for everything in full if you wanted to by selling this new piece of land that's completely separate from the other land that's making rent income on a reoccurring basis, which is crazy. Yeah, I guess it and, and the reason he wanted to do that was the, the, the frontage land actually faced a commercial road that made it actually more valuable than even the mobile home park. So he knew that at some point somebody would come in there and want to buy it, to put, put something in a strip shopping center, gas station, or what have you. And, and that, that part of the city where he had the mobile home park that, that road was being commercialized. So more and more development was coming down there. So he knew he was sitting on a gold mine and all we did was be able to capitalize on that at whatever point he wanted to. And he doesn't have to now think about, oh, I got to talk to my lender to get their approval to sell my land. He doesn't have to do that now. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a beautiful thing. So, I mean, just, just going into, now that was a good story. I mean, that, that was a good positive story. I mean, what's your worst experience dealing in this business that you ever dealt with before? Uh, not able to help people in the way that they need to be helped, I think is the worst story. Because sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work out and for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, typically, typically it's either the, the, the credit score is way lower than what it needs to be. Uh, a person doesn't have the down payment or, uh, you know, those are, those are common things that keep popping up that speak to why a person is not, able to move forward in what they think. I get a lot of calls for, even though we're an alternative lender, there's still standards, if you will. And, uh, but it, so it doesn't mean that we can finance everybody that calls. Uh, so we try to be very, very, very quick in making an evaluation of what the situation is and what, what options we may have to actually be able to help people. Uh, and if, you know, I mean, I'm working with someone who says they want to buy a piece of property. Uh, what we see a lot of times is businesses that's been in business for a number of years and, and maybe even very successful, uh, you know, according to their terms. But what they do is 
they'll take their tax returns for their business and minimize tax consequences, right? Which means that, okay, yeah, you know, I'm a $2 million business, but I made $25,000, uh, you know. Well, don't, don't, they help you when you do that to minimize what kind of taxes you pay. They don't help you when you come to an organization or you now try to do things like, oh, okay, I want to buy a piece of real estate through my business that my business can, can sit in or expand my business uh, because, you know, we're doing well. I want to open a second location. Well, if you can't prove through your business operations that you can afford that, it's going to be very difficult. And those are the types of things that we see. And, and people don't understand that correlation. What they, what they have is one objective. That objective is to minimize my taxes. But then they say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm doing well. I want to renovate my building. And that, that, that may be a half a million dollar type of renovation or expansion of that building to do more in it to actually generate more revenue. All great things. But if your current revenue doesn't show that it can support that new debt. And we got a problem. And uh, unless they want to go back and restate those numbers, uh, uh, they, they probably won't be successful because those are some of the reasons. But we do a lot of good things. For instance, we can help people consolidate debt. We can help people get out of some of those MCAs that they got, uh, merchant cash advances that they got because they were hungry for cash and they went and got one, and that one turned into four. Uh, you know, we can help businesses. Uh, I'm helping a, a company right now move from a, a rented location to a, a place that becomes their own because they're buying a location. Uh, you know, I'm helping another person who's expanding their smoothie shops. Uh, they're going from uh, five of them to about seven or eight of them. And we're helping them get money to, for those expansions. So. There are a number of things that we do that are, are very, very positive in terms of helping business owners advance their own cause. And, and we have products that once we hear what you're trying to do, we might be able to identify a product that you might not have thought of that allows you to get the resources, maybe not in the way that you thought, but allows you to get the resources that help your company. I, I have tons of companies, Chanel, that come in and they may say, hey, look, I need $100,000 working capital. Uh, that working capital is really a function of cash flow issues that they're having in their company. But they, they have either heard bad things about AR financing or don't know that it exists, one of the two. Uh, and once we try to show them the benefits of using that program versus what their intentions are of a term loan that turns out, because what happens in a term loan is, you get, you get an advance of money. I don't care what the number is, 100000 10000 or a million dollars. It's dumped in your accounts, and now you start to use it. Well, once it's gone, it can be gone in 30 days, right? But now the, the problems that you have in your business that created that don't go away. They're back in 60 days. <laughs> And you don't have the opportunity to go back to that lender and say, oh, I need another 100000 or another million. Many times, the problem isn't trying to get the term loan. The, the problem is your cash flow isn't what it needs to be based on how people are paying you uh, or how you're invoicing them or how you're collecting on those invoices. And those are solvable with the types of loans 
that are replenished based on your customer's pain. It, because if you don't have the ability for it to regenerate itself based on those customers' pain, you're going to be back in that same position in a very short period of time, and you, you won't realize how you got there. And when you do that and you got a term loan, now you're back in that same position and you got another bill on top of it for that term loan that you got. <laughs> and that's, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. You're squeezing money out of money that potentially didn't have to be that way. That's exactly right. And they and they, they look at all these things and think that I can do it based on how I, I had one client who kept solving a short-term need with long-term money. What that means is they kept going back to real estate that they had and refinancing real estate long-term, but they were having a short-term problem. So they, they just kept re- trying to refinance. And of course, at some point, you run out of opportunities to refinance that, that real estate because you reach your maximums. And once they reached that, then they didn't have anywhere to turn. So they finally listened to what we were telling them about the AR financing. And that solved all their problems permanently. Not not one time, permanently. Hmm. Yeah, definitely <laughs> great insight. So on, on the journey of success, it's always perceived to be a 20-year thing, right? And And on the front end, people always see it as something that happened overnight. How long did it take you to get to where you are currently? Uh, my first year was, uh, I think I did two or three deals. Uh, my, my second year, obviously it was better because you learn stuff as you go along. And, uh, you know, now we, we have what we call great referral partners. I network, uh, with bankers, mortgage lenders, CPAs, business consultants, all of those people are people who refer business to me at one point or another. Those opportunities now are plentiful versus when I started. When I started, nobody knew who I was. And uh, even though they knew who I was, many people didn't know I was in business to do what it is that I currently do. So part of the challenge is how how do you come out of the gate and get customers to know who you are, where you are, and what you're doing? Uh, our company does business all over the country, and you know our ability to uh, do local networking, but also internet marketing and what have you, allows us to find customers who are looking for services uh, that we can assist them with. Uh, we certainly aren't the only lender out there, but our relationships continue to grow daily, weekly, monthly, annually that allow us to be in front of people who know they need help and they are referring to us on a consistent basis. So you're right. It, it takes a, it takes a, a while to get to where you want to be, but depending on how versed people are in those various things, networking uh, uh, and, and internet marketing and what have you, because we, we, we think that we are in business and to do what it is that we are here to do whatever that service is. Uh, but quite frankly, if you don't know these other things, your business is going to be stagnant or not grow or not flourish in the way that you want it to. Uh, you know, it was, you know, I, I think that we sometimes get caught up in what we do and think that's the end all be all, you know, uh, you know, you can talk to people who are in business some don't have their websites up. Well, that's a, that's a common thing now, but if you're in business, 
and you're not getting those referrals or what have you, that's that's the first things that people do when they say you're in business. They go look for your website. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the first things they do. And if it's not there, they, they sometimes don't consider you to be legitimate. And, it, and whether or not that's true really depends on what circles you're running in where your business depends on that type of presence. Uh, you know, certainly people can operate and not have a website. That's, you, you can do that. Uh, but if your if your business depends on people's impressions and what it is that they need to see about you that legitimizes you, if you don't have one, you're not in business. <laughs> you're just in business, and so uh, that's that's one of those little small things. And you know, the better it is, doesn't mean because you create it doesn't mean that you get traffic because you have it. So you know, all of those things. How do you drive people to your website? And how do you get uh, uh, customers that filter out of that website? All of those things are critical for businesses these days because everything is so accessible. Everything is accessible. Yeah, it is. Definitely. So uh, just yeah. going back to that. So, I mean, what years did you open up the doors to your business? What year? Yeah, what year did you start? Uh, I started in 2013. Cool. So you're right around eight years. So in less than 20 years, you, you made a hell of achievements and leaps and bounds in, in less than a decade, really. Yeah, we've uh, we've grown tremendously since the start. I mean, as I said, I I went to a training program for my industry and came out of the gate, uh, got, got my website prepared uh, and allowed that organization that I was training with to do some marketing for me which immediately got my phone to ring and, uh, you know, got several deals out of that. Uh, but I, that actually started me on my path. Of course, you have some ideas of how you generate traffic for yourself. And I followed some of those. What I found very quickly was that me being in business did not determine that my phone would ring or that people would be knocking on my door. Neither happened because I said I was in business. <laughs> so there has to be some motion that moves people to you. I started immediately doing things like going around to talk to bankers. Uh, and, and, you know, some were nice. But what I also found was because there was no affiliation and they had no clue who I was, most were reluctant to even talk to me. And I certainly didn't get any referrals initially where uh, I started to really pick up on referrals and uh, 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 just just the referral partners was when we started doing the networking that you spoke of and I spoke of where we met. Once I started to do that, I started to see the real benefits of those types of things in my business. And my business really took off and uh, took us to another level because now your ability to meet those people who are legitimate referral partners is through those associations and those networks. So you already got something in common and they're more willing to talk to you. I think also the, the thing that, that I've been trying to talk to people about and make sure they understand is no matter what your service is, I don't care if you sit behind a computer all day long, uh, we are all salespeople and you need to remember that because uh, your business is dependent upon how you can get in front of people to actually help them uh, understand what your services are and 
and whether or not they want to do business with you. Uh, but if you're not selling, you're not doing business. Every day you're selling. Every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And I mean, and that, that goes to, to a, a very serious point that, I mean, a lot of people think that it's okay to market one time or to put one ad or to send one email. And in today's world, everybody's complaining about all the ads. They complain about all the emails. But if you don't ramp up your content, you're going to get lost in the noise. You have to put that content out there as frequently as you could humanly possibly do it. So that way, when people do check, because you don't know when people are going to check the emails, you don't know when they're going to look on Facebook, your content needs to be fresh in their streams on a regular basis. So just, just going into this, right? I mean, obviously you have the business hustle. You have a mindset as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur. Does that right. come from your family upbringing? Did anybody in your family was a business owner? Well, uh, no. <laughs> my family was uh, educators and my father was a uh, manufacturing worker. And so was my mother. So, uh, but I, I, I saw a number of things when I was growing up. We, my family owns a lot of property down uh, in South Georgia. And I, I wasn't necessarily surrounded by entrepreneurs, but I always thought a little, little about owning businesses. And I thought that that was the way to take some steps. And it took me a long time to take the leaps, if you will, uh, because we're so indoctrinated into get an education, get a job, get an education, get a job. That's sort of... The the for most of us, that's literally what happens in your in your home. Your your parents want you to become educated and then get a job, get a job, get a job. Uh, I saw that there were other people who were doing things from owning businesses and operating in a different way, and 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 I was very intrigued by that. I was always intrigued by business. I would be in college or high school. I would get out the old Thomas Register and see how all these companies that built up all of these suds up under them and all this kind of stuff. That always intrigued me. So as I went through my uh, corporate career, I one of the things I was trying to do was figure out what, what could I lend myself to that would actually be mine, that would also allow me to go out there and be uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, and of course, uh, I... I, I went in a couple of directions. I tried to own a, a sandwich shop at once, uh, you know, but didn't have the right partner. Uh, I went into business being a, a distributor of, of uh, supplies, uh, uh, office supplies. Didn't have the right partner. Uh, and then I did uh, uh, real estate for about five years prior to the crash. I just fixed and flipped houses uh, on my own after I left corporate America the first time. Uh, I did that for about five years and then got sucked back into corporate America just because there was an opportunity. It wasn't even something I was looking for, but it was an opportunity that came uh, there. And, and all of a sudden that became uh, 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 and op that opportunity became my life for like another eight to nine years. Uh, and as I was doing that corporate opportunity, again, got frustrated with corporate America again <laughs> and decided that I needed to step out on my own and, uh, you know, started my research, found the opportunity because I was, I was also looking for a particular type of opportunity. I was, I was at the age where I didn't want to necessarily manage a whole lot of people. I didn't want to go to somebody else's office. 
I didn't want there to be certain ties for me. So I wanted something with flexibility. I wanted something that allowed me, I didn't have a cap on what my income was. Uh, and I, and my efforts would prove that we could actually make it. And uh, I found all of that in what I do currently. Uh, you know, my company provides me with enormous opportunity for income. We uh, help companies and individuals with their goals of moving their, their business or their investment goals forward. We do that every day. So we're helping people and we're serving them in a way that allows us to, you know, reap the rewards financially from that service that we provide for them. So we're able to do all of that, but that's what my business did for me. And uh, that's what it continues to do. For me. So, I mean, obviously on that journey, I, I would think that you've started a family. So understanding that as a entrepreneur, it takes a lot of time. So how do you juggle your hustle with your family life? Well, you know, my, uh, I've always felt like, I've always felt like that uh, work and life needs to balance. Uh, so I've always uh, spent a lot of time with my family, my son, my, my uh, you know, my wife, and, and didn't allow work to dominate me in that way. Uh, and that's, and, and frankly, I've always had a great work ethic, uh, and what have you, and that's translated into me working for myself. What I do now is actually much more fun than what I've done throughout my corporate career. So I find myself sometimes uh, uh, putting in more time than, than I should. So I have to back up. I have to take days, uh, you know. So I, I balance things out by doing the things I enjoy doing even during the week when I create the opportunity for it. So during the week on a Friday, because Friday is a slow day for me, I might go play golf in the middle of the day. Um, you know, uh, and my wife has taken up golf, so sometimes we're doing it with her. <laughs> nice. I'll just spend some time together. Uh, same thing in the middle of the week. You know, if I have a Wednesday or uh, a day where my calendar is free in the afternoons, because I work for myself, my phone can ring even while I'm on the uh, golf course. So, you know, I'm still working, but I'm also doing some things for myself. Uh, you know, this weekend, we're going to go up to uh, Gatlinburg just to get away for the weekend, you know. Uh, and we've, we do that quite often these days just because we have the flexibility to do it. And my wife is retired, so we're not restricted to you know, she got to go to work every day or what have you. So when we're ready to go, we go. Nice. nice. <laughs> so, so with that, right. So, I mean, I think earlier when we got on, on this podcast, like you have like a, a morning routine, right? So you, you work out. So this is going to like, what does your morning routines look like? Well, um, as you mentioned, I work out in the mornings and I love to do workouts first thing. So uh, I wake up probably 530 every day. And, and by six o'clock, I'm in a circuit or I'm on the bike doing cardio or what have you. So, and that's every day. So uh, my, my work day typically starts at around nine o'clock. Uh, so I'm up at 5.30, I'm working out. Uh, before I come into the office, I've already determined what my day is going to look like based off of 
the previous end day. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, on the previous day, I've already outlined what tomorrow needs to look like or the things that I need to focus on, who the people I need to contact, if it's a lender, if it's a borrower, if it's a new client, or if it's a networking opportunity. All of those things are sort of lined up for me. Of course, I have appointments lined up already that we work around, and then those opportunities for admin work in the business come around those opportunities for networking or appointments that we have on the books. So uh, my days are pretty filled with uh, those types of activities. And I try to do certain things. Uh, as I said, you're always selling. So you have to make time to sell, right? In my opinion. So even though those networking and, and referral partners that we have create calls for me, I also am actively pursuing relationships that also will turn into referral type opportunities for me. So I schedule on a Tuesday and like a Thursday. Uh, in non-COVID times, those are my days to be out of the office, if you will, uh, and doing things in front of the people who could conceivably be good referral partner or referral partner types. Those are my days for that. And Monday, Wednesday, uh, and Friday, we're directly in the office, catching up with a man, work, following through on loans that you are moving through the process, uh, talking to a real estate investor about what their needs are and what we need to do to help them get to what they're trying to do and so on. So uh, that's how my day is feeling. Right, right. Uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, you know, because I have customers all over the place. I get calls from California and those people, because we're in front of them. Sometimes I'm in my office at 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock talking to people, depending on where they are, because they're doing their work during the day and may call in the afternoons or what have you. Yeah, makes sense. So as I've been developing this podcast, I realized that everybody, I would say probably 99% of people that I've had on the show are successful in many different ways. And part of that success journey, books help them get there. So I decided to create a Boss on Cage book club. So what book are you currently reading or you have read before that you would recommend to someone? Um, <laughs> what I think would be very good is Who Moved My Cheese? Um, I don't know. Who Moved My Cheese is about action. It's about, uh, and, and it's a very simple book, but it's a very uh, direct book about what it is that it takes for you to actually achieve things. Uh, and, it, and it speaks to the premises, you know, they, they show you how uh, in some ways people are complacent in their way of thinking. And because of their being complacent, they're waiting on somebody to tell them what to do versus taking action. And that's really what the premise of the book is. <laughs> it's, it's a great little fast read is what it is, but it's a great business book in my mind that I think is very good and instrumental. The, another book that I'm reading right now is called Options Trading. <laughs> nice. What, I want to become more versed in uh, uh, trading options. So I'm reading, and then I'm going to take a course on it on how to actually in, use options as an investment tool. That's who's the author of that book, the options book. Warren Bay Benjamin. 
is the author of this one. Okay. So um, I mean, with these two recommendations, who would you recommend should read either one of these books? Uh, if you're interested in investments, that's, that's the options trading book. But business people, all people should read Who Moved My Cheese. I, I even think it's good for people who are not uh, uh, entrepreneurs to read. Again, it, it talks more about the things you do that you create the change you want is really what it's speaking to. And I think it's a great book for everybody. Like I said, it's a very, very easy book to read. And it's a quick book. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember the exact number of pages, but I can remember reading that book and and what it meant to read it and the the thought process of what you encounter as you read. It. Mm -hmm. Wonderful book, uh, wonderful book, and I think uh, uh, you know a great read for people. There there are there are a couple of others that I can. Sure. Uh, one is Thinking Grow Rich. Uh, a black choice, uh, <laughs> and then the other one is by Napoleon. Uh, the, Dennis Kimbrough wrote that. Thinking Grow Rich, a black choice. That's Dennis Kimbrough wrote that. Mm -hmm. uh, Napoleon Hill, I believe, is the writer of Thinking Grow Rich, uh, which is also uh, Dennis Kimbrough's book is a takeoff of his book. Uh, but but both are great books and great reads, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, another I can't think of the name of his book, but uh, uh, George Fraser wrote a book about networking, and and he talks about the value of networking and how uh, what it is that if you do those things that you talk about in terms of networking and how to network is also important. I, I think you know you and I met through a networking function. That networking function opened my eyes to a lot of things. Because I think when I first, I know for in, throughout my entire career, no matter what group I was part of, I always thought of networking from the perspective of what do you get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. What can I get from it? And if, if your first impressions in any network group are that, you're not going to continue with that group. That's, that's the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. So, And the group that we were a part of, the first thing that we were – taught was you got to give to get, right? Uh, and as you do that, you reap the benefits of people giving to you. Uh, it's a powerful lesson, I think. And, and if you drink that Kool-Aid, you also see the benefits of it. Because the more you give, you absolutely reap the benefits of it. And that's biblical. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, <laughs> and and as, you, as you see that, do that, comprehend that, your rewards in your business grow exponentially, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and some people sort of determine uh, early on that that's the kind of person they want to be and uh, become very good at that. Others keep wanting uh, people, because we saw even in our groups how people came to that and was like, I got nothing out of it. Nobody's making any referrals to me. Uh, and uh, Mr. Frazier says, if you have nothing, it's because you have given nothing. <laughs> that that is real. That's definitely real. So, so I think I mean the books that you listen. I think they're definitely great books. And the irony of all that is, I think a girl Riches came up on this podcast at least probably like two out of every five episodes. Somebody always recommends that book. It's like the the timeless book from nineteen thirty that still holds weight till this day. It's a yes. golden book. So, yes. 
So from moving from books to like tools and software, what tools or software do you use that you would not be able to run your business without? Uh, email, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, a CRM, uh, because, you know, you need a good CRM in your system that, that can track what's going on with the customer that you interact with, uh, from your calls to documents you may have sent to them. Uh, and places to store those documents, uh, you know, and how you go about doing that. Uh, uh, marketing, uh, you know, and, and, and some of this is stuff that you, even if you don't know, you got to get proficient at standing, even if you're using somebody else to uh, do it for you. So, gotcha. um, and I think that that's critical. I mean, a good accounting software I also think is important and a review of your financials on a uh, consistent basis uh, that, that help you understand where you are, how you're getting there, whether you're making money or not. Uh, and it needs to do things for you that you don't think of uh, in your own mind. If you have different product lines, you need to be able to separate that to determine what's profitable and what's not, uh, what's making revenue for you and what's not. Uh, uh, th those things are critical, I think, uh, and 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 because some of them, some of those things are free. Some of those things you got to pay for, uh, and if you're not versed in understanding financial statements, you need to surround yourself with people who can give you that knowledge. Uh, the other thing I think is important is good mentors. Uh, uh, good mentors you know, I, I think are invaluable to people. I, 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 in my work, am always talking to people about how to make themselves better. Clearly, mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, I talk to people about what it is that they can do, even in the process of borrowing money, I will send them back to somebody that they may have just left. For instance, many times they'll come to me and say, I just left the bank. The bank said, no, because. And they'll tell me all the reasons why. Uh, well, I, I'm listening and I'm trying to determine how I can help them. Well, sometimes I'll send them back to that bank that they just got turned back, which doesn't pay me, but I'm helping somebody do something that helps them. And, uh, you know, I'm not looking for a compensation. I'm trying to get them to where they're trying to get based on what they're doing. Well, even in doing that, again, I'm giving uh, and I'm not receiving from that individual, but, I, you know, it comes back to uh, and I don't have a problem doing that or helping people with knowledge. I get people who call who want to be in my business. I tell them, hey, look, I'll tell you everything I know. You, you know, we, we shouldn't be stingy with that for two reasons. One, it's, it's not good for you. Uh, that's one. But two, everything we do is written somewhere. <laughs> everything. So nothing is a secret, even though people think it's a secret. You know, some people become more proficient at it than others because they're doing it or they're enjoying it or they understand all the dynamics that make it successful. That, that doesn't mean that it's not somewhere where I can read it to understand it and actually even implement it if I chose to spend that amount of time. So if people talk to me about my business, I tell them everything. I don't owe anything, but I tell them how... It is, I got in, I tell them what it is that it cost me. I tell them what it is that you have to do to stay in front of people. I tell them how it is that I, I create my lending opportunities with the lenders that I have. I, I talk to them about all of it. But here's what I've learned. 
no matter what you say to people, some people still aren't going to do anything. Damn right. (laughs) They're just not going to do anything, whether you, uh, you know, adhere to that philosophy or not. But some people aren't going to be the type of people that are committed to action. And committing yourself to action will move the needle tremendously if you're willing to do that. Doesn't matter what the process is. It could be real estate investing. If you start, you'll start figuring out some things. You know, you'll start figuring out what you can do, what you can't do. But we get stuck in the start. We're also people who, because of that indoctrination of going to work, we're afraid of what it means when I don't have a job and now I got to depend on myself uh, to create my own income. Some of us cannot fathom that. Uh, it's just not the way we think. So we're not wired that way. And the the false sense of security that comes from working with a corporate America or what have you uh, stifles many people. It's like, yeah, I want to do that, but I'm scared. Or I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if I know enough. Uh, What's interesting about that whole process is the number of people that are already working in quote unquote commission type roles, sometimes 100% are also some of the same people who will never go into business for themselves. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's a great. I mean, I think you're leading into like my, my, my next question. I think you've, you've given some like a lot of, um, I don't even say golden nuggets. I would say like liquid diamonds, right? Um, what, what final words of wisdom do you have for someone that may be coming to you or somebody that's younger than you that wants to become you following your footsteps? What advice would you give to them? Um, explore, read, and commit yourself to action. That's what I was saying. Because uh, exploring allows you to find out what the world can offer you. That's what it does. And you know, in spite of what's going on in terms of politics and what have you, it's a big world out there with a lot of different ways that people can make money. You know, I'm amazed at the things that people can do that create income opportunities for them. And in today's digital age, it's actually even uh, escalated that even more. Uh, you know, people are doing digital stores and selling millions of dollars and what have you. So there are a number of things that people can do that create opportunities. You should read all the time. Most most successful people, uh, I, I remember Dennis Kimbrough, I heard Dennis Kimbrough speak once, and one of the things he said was, readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. Damn right. Inevitably, readers comprehend and understand so much more than people who are getting their information off the news or off the television or what have you, because the reading allows you to comprehend it a whole lot more and visualize what's going on and even sometimes visualize how you can make it happen for yourself. Uh, And then commit yourself to action. Action action doesn't mean that you're blindly going out here and just doing stuff. It means that you have a plan of action that allows you to go out here and be successful in this wide world that we have uh, that speaks to how you can do business. I mean, like I said, I'm amazed at the number of ways that people are supporting themselves and doing business. And it, and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, cause what you might do, somebody else won't do mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, I know people who haul uh, garbage, people who haul waste, you know, and you know, the first thing some people are going to say, man, I can't do that. Well, 
you know, but then you go and you look at what kind of revenue these people are generating based on them hauling garbage. Uh, you know, it may not be for you, but it could be for somebody else. Uh, another thing I heard somebody say, don't be the negative person in somebody's life. Don't tell them what they can't do. Uh, you know, the, the opportunity for you is very different sometimes than the opportunity for somebody else. You know, just because you don't like, uh, what is it called? Network marketing. You know, some people don't consider that business. And I understand that. But because, it, because of your perception of it or your lack of success with it, doesn't mean that somebody else won't make money off of it. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely right. You have to be that. open to that. You got to be open to these types of things that will allow some people to make money. So what I saw with network marketing was, and it's not for me, but what I do see is the people that believe in the process and believe in how you go about creating the business that they're working in actually do have success. They have success. Can you get there? You got to, you got to one buy in. <laughs> You got to buy in, whether it's the product, the product, the process or what have you, you first got to buy in. And that goes for any type of business you are trying to do. You can't go out here and not be happy with what you're doing and think that you're going to have a flood of customers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, definitely, you're definitely right about that. So how can people find you? I mean, what's your Facebook, your website, your phone number, your email address? My uh, website is www.barringtoncommercialcapital.com. I'm I'm thinking out loud here. Barringtoncommercialcapital.com. That's my website. My uh, email address is rjohnson at bccfirm.com. My phone number for my business is 404-602-404-602. 9100 404 602 Uh LinkedIn is Ray Johnson. Uh, uh, and I have a uh, my business behind me on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, there's a Barrington Commercial Capital Facebook page. There is a Barrington Commercial Capital uh, LinkedIn page. Uh, so all of that's out there. Uh, we'd love to hear from your audience. I'd love to help them with any of their uh, commercial capital needs, be that real estate investing or business funding needs that uh, they have. Great, great. So going going into the bonus round, um, I guess this is still like my favorite question. Maybe one day I may change it, but right now I still love this question, right? If you could spend 24 hours in a day uninterrupted with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? You know, I've gotten that question from another uh, podcast. I was just on a, a, a podcast for entrepreneurs and finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question was asked, and, and the person I said was, uh, and I still believe it's Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's interesting about a person like Frederick, Frederick Douglass is he was born into slavery, Right. And, uh, you know, escaped that and became a free man, uh, but still owned by somebody in the South uh, as he was living his life. He um, became a voice for Black of America in a time where we were already uh, oppressed people. 
And he was a very outspoken person, a great speaker and what have you. I just like to talk to a person like that about what was it like to be in an environment that spoke to you being uh, somebody's property and then living a life outside of that? How did that come to be? And, and then how did you figure out or determine that your life would be speaking out against that that you were a part of in that way. Because and during that time, it was just so fascinating to me that that person existed, uh, thrived, escaped his enslavement, and then became an outspoken uh, proponent for against slavery. Uh, I mean, very outspoken uh, from, from being a slave to going to visit people in the White House. Just incredible journey. And I just think that he'd have a whole lot to say that would be very interesting on a number of fronts uh, and, and pretty much an inspiration in a number of ways. So that's, that's, that's the kind of person I would love to spend some time with and learn more from, figure out what it is that we can do with them. So. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that answer. It's a very thought out answer. And, and I mean, obviously, to your point, you had a, an opportunity to answer that question before. So like when you're yes. filling in the blanks right now, it's definitely a fulfilling answer. Um, so this is the point in the podcast where I give you the microphone, my, my guest to interview me. Any questions that you may have come up with during the show that you may have for me? Well, you know, obviously, we've known each other a little while. Yeah. And, uh, we've witnessed part of your journey. I, I mean, I I like the idea that you're doing this podcast and exposing uh, entrepreneurs to different people who go into business. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what what caused you the transition that you've gone? Because you've you've done a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things. Some of which you've dropped, but some you've kept going. Uh, but you've done a lot of things that speak to what we talk about, how you make money, uh, and also the types of things that could sustain you over time. Uh, you're very good at what you do, but I'd like to know your thought process and moving through the uh, journey that you've been. Yeah, so it's like the evolution of Boss and Cage essentially came from, like you said, I've tried multiple things. It's kind of like my left brain always fights my right brain. So one, some creative, and then on the other side of analyticals, I jump into both business structures. But I had an opportunity to kind of think about it. Like, what's the best way, like you said, can I give first? And then by giving, you would receive. And through our networking groups and going through it, that's what we were doing. We were standing up. We weren't pitching who we were. We were saying, here, our target audience is um, a mom, a soccer mom. She may be your neighbor and she may be working from home and she's looking at X, Y, and Z. So painting these pictures through that journey, I started realizing, well, we're painting pictures, but we need more information. Like, for example, with you today, I've heard parts of your story, but today you've kind of outlined all the pieces of the puzzle to kind of make a complete picture. And so I'm taking that picture and I'm like, OK, here's my audience. Here's other people that may find this podcast three, four, five years from now that may want an opportunity to understand how capital works, how to raise funding. And this podcast can now give them that opportunity. But by default, it's associated to me. So in that journey, again, I have a lot of people in my Rolodex that I can give them opportunities to broadcast to my audience. And by default, things will come back to me through osmosis because I am the facilitator of this environment. But my goal is to give people opportunities to understand that business is everything. 
business is in all aspects. And that's why every guest I've had on my show have been uniquely different. There's some overlaps here and there, but I could get somebody else that's a capital guy and he could be 100% investing into not real estate. Maybe he's a 100% commercial business lender versus you're more on the real estate lending. So his demographic, his story, his messaging will be completely different than yours. Correct. It will be. Outstanding. Great answer. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, I mean, if you got any other questions, this is the time. If not, then then we're good. Uh, I, I think I'm good. I'm good. Cool. cool. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule, man. I think this was definitely an impactful episode. I think you gave a lot. Like I said, not even golden nuggets. You give liquid diamonds, as as I'm stating them, right? So you give a lot of information that, I mean, anybody that's looking for, you know, secondary lending, anybody that's looking for funding and just wants more information, I mean, I would definitely recommend that they give you a call to talk to you. And particularly our audience is small business owners, right? Our audience are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. So you're the guy that's going to be able to kind of help them grow their businesses and take it to the next level. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the show absolutely i appreciate being here man. it's been a pleasure i've enjoyed every minute of it it's it's not necessarily talking about myself but what we do it's always uh joyous for me anyway great 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 all right guys essay grant over and out Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.